the tour to uh, California was on. They had an app too this uh, this last year. Is someone killing a face hugger in the background there? <laughs> Do you hear that? Okay, I just. What? Oh, you hear some tweeting? There's some crazy. Yeah, that's what it sounded. Is like. that your yeah. bird? I got birds, man. Oh man, is that an African gray? What is that? They're like, uh, what are they called? They're little miniature parrots. Ah, lovely. Parapets. I like your podcast room is uh, right next to your parrot room. It's helpful. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Carrie said that. I don't know what they're doing. They're either hungry or horny or something. I'll tell you what so, they're doing. Please. Wednesday, June 6, 2012, episode 12 of Yats. It's yet another tech show over at yetanothertechshow.com slash live. Watch us live each week and join us in the chat room. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, we got Ant Pruitt. Yes, I am. What's going on? We got Larry Press. Evening, gents. We got Mike Rothman. Hey, everybody. And that's the crew. This is Yats, yet another tech show.com. Subscribe in iTunes, write us a review. We appreciate it. Share us on the Google Plus and Facebook and Twitter because we're there. We're all over it. Uh, let's start things out. Just some quick uh, security-like news. A couple of our, well, not our favorite, but some notable websites getting hacked, getting passwords posted online. If you are a member of either LinkedIn or eHarmony, you might want to change your password eHarmony confirmed they had a massive list of passwords posted online, uh, included those used by its members. Of course, they said, quote, after investigating reports of compromised passwords, this is from Ars Technica, we have found that a small fraction of our user base has been affected. And what's a, what's a small password uh, or a small percentage? What, what percentage of 1.5 million uh, got got posted there. They're, they're not saying. And their blog uh, also is not saying how the passwords were leaked. I'm going to guess it's poor security. J- just a guess. Just a shot in the dark. And then LinkedIn on Wednesday confirmed that at least some passwords were compromised in a major security breach. Uh, Vincente Silveira, whatever, uh, the director there at LinkedIn, confirmed the hack on the company's blog Wednesday afternoon and outlined steps that it is taking to deal with the situation, like notifying everybody to also change their passwords. Uh, Either of any of you guys uh, on either of these? Larry, you got an eHarmian account? No, I've got a LinkedIn account, but I never use it. Well, it's like my Facebook account. Is the password the same as your Facebook account? Because you oh, might want the same to... as the password I use for everything. Of course, of Doesn't course. Do that? <laughs> Isn't that proper security? It's so you don't forget, right? You gotta keep use the same password everywhere. Yeah, you know, it's, it's when you're it's old, like you have a bad memory. You can't be fighting around with multiple passwords. See, and that's that's a good point. And Larry, you're kind of quiet this evening, but that's a good point. How do old people remember passwords? 
It's not easy, Sonny. We just use the same one over and over again. I'll tell you, in my yeah, time, we, the only thing we had to remember was our P.O. Box number. <laughs> we have our ways. You know, I'm a pretty active user of LinkedIn, and I probably got 20 emails today reportedly from LinkedIn, but I think not. Probably asking, not. Asking me to log on to their site <laughs> using my uh, primary credentials. Oh, really? And, you did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't get a one. I, I, I heard about the whole hack earlier this morning, but I didn't get any notification from LinkedIn or anything like that at all saying, okay, please take some type of measure to change your password. Well, you know? apparently they only got a portion of the total user base. Yeah. So it, it may be that they got mine and not yours. And apparently what they got was my uh, According to the LinkedIn press release, what they got was the username or email address and a hashed version of the password. Right, and those were hashed using the SHA-1 algorithm, so it doesn't include, like you said, the usernames or any other data. But what they can do is take that hash and... Basically, if you don't know, the hash is the algorithm that converts your password into a unique set of numbers. So if your hash isn't salted, you can eat, which means adding random pseudo random noise or random noise, if you can, to the hash so that it's not the same every time so that it changes every time it's hash. If you don't do that, then it's pretty easy to reverse engineer and get get the password. And apparently... Uh, they did not do that. Well, I've got I've got a combination of letters and numbers in my password, but of course, you know, as of about ten a.m. this morning, I had changed that password, so it's it's now even more complex than it was before. I mean, this is going to sound harsh, but just how stupid are people that says my password is Bubbles LinkedIn? Yeah, you that's know, what they it, said, too. A lot of the passwords for different sites use the name of the site and then, like, a four-digit pin or something. Just, so That's just stupid. You know, they're asking for it. You know, it, it, you, you can't feel sorry for people when they get hacked on stuff like no, this. No, not at know? all. And personally... Doing it on their, on their bank account, doing it on their, on their, or their social network or, or what have you. You can't feel sorry for them. And when they hear all about these different attacks for the last maybe two years at least. Yeah. You know, you would it's think. not like this is brand new stuff. And just just a little, if you guys are, are curious or interested, I, I, I am a firm believer in the password, what did Steve Gibson call it? Haystack padding or something, where yeah. you basically, it's not the complexity of your numbers, your alphanumeric password, if it's upper, lowercase, this and that, it's the length of it that really adds, you know, security to it. So yeah, the idea is, let's say you use a pad, which is two periods and a comma, and you pad your regular password, something that's easy to remember, with a period, a period, a comma at the beginning, maybe in the middle, and then at the end. That's yeah. going to be way harder to crack than just your password alone. It's called Patty. He came up with it in an episode of Security Now. I was really interested in, and it, it was a great idea. So I started doing it, and it's so much easier to remember because 
you're remembering these symbols and, and each one is a different pattern and, you know, we're good at, at remembering that kind of stuff. So it, it you makes... Know, you guys know I work in support um, on my day job and Windows has the 90-day the 90, 90 window where you have to change your, your network password, active directory password every 90 days and it has to be at least six characters long and use three different parameters as far as... Uh, capital letters, regular letters, numerals, and symbols. And trying to explain this to users, you know, once a quarter is like the biggest chore because they just want to make, make the password their kid's name. They want to make it their dog. But name, so, Ant, you, you, can, you can use that to your advantage, though, and say, fine, make it your dog's name, make it your kid's name. Just put three periods at the beginning and the end of it. Like, right. I mean, that's I not, try, but I try to tell them that. And then they get into this, well, you're giving us too many passwords to remember. And I'm old sounding like, well, let's just make everything here. public. No <laughs> passwords on anything anymore. And there you go. Problem solved. You know, at our school, we've got that. Uh, they're running every 90 day changes. And I have to admit, I use the same old password, but just keep changing the digits at the end of it. Right. That's fine, Larry. Right. That's fine until someone figures out what your magic magic word is. And that's but the at least key. You did put some type of random number yeah. or symbol on the end of it. It's not exactly random. <laughs> and that's the key with padding too. You need to make sure whatever your pattern is, you don't reveal that. Because once someone gets your pad, if you're using, you know, the same pad for different stuff just to make that easier to remember, which you shouldn't be doing, but you know I, I I'm thinking with Larry it's like the day and month of his birth date. And then it cycles it increments by one. Or it's, it's the it's the house address of the house of your of your current home residence. And just while we're talking, while we're talking security pointers on the secret questions, just another neither here nor there. Lie, oh just lie. Don't make it your real maiden name of your mother right. because that's easy to find online. So the more you right. lie about those things, just make sure you remember your lie. Otherwise, you know it's kind of pointless. But you know, I, I give some sites credit. They don't necessarily use the whole mother maiden's name. They'll they'll do something totally off color. You know. Not as simple as who is your favorite football team because everybody knows I'm a Clemson Tiger fan, but they may not know who my favorite teacher of all time was. You know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Apple does does that. You know, I they give those folks credit stuff that I can't remember what I told. But you guys are putting all the onus on the user. How about on the the uh, server? How about the guys like Ant that are running those servers? Well, Larry, you can... Aren't they kind of... Uh, is, has LinkedIn done all they could have? So no, I, I don't I don't disagree with you on that, Larry. I mean, there has to be something done on the infrastructure side. There has I, to be responsibility on both sides because both yeah. are created by humans, which means both can be reverse engineered by humans. So the better both of your, you know, I'm taking responsibility as the user... I'm assuming you as the platform are also taking responsibility. Just like we know Google does well because they have they institute two-factor authentication. Facebook kind of did the same where they'll send you a text message with a code. But more so, it's nice to know it'll send you a message if someone logged in from a computer it didn't recognize. So you know if someone's trying to get into your account. It, it's more of a now I know and I can take other precautions. But 
Oh, yeah. There, there's ways to do it. I mean, obviously, LinkedIn isn't offering two-factor authentication. It's probably unnecessary at this point, but you can only do so much on both ends to where, you know, if you're a target, you're a target, and you just need to be proactive and play the, the mole smash game, you know, and just keep closing holes that, that come up. You're never going to get them all. I mean, that's where all, unless you built that system from the ground up and you know every inch of that code, you'll never get them all. There's always, you know, I have have to think that uh, that LinkedIn lost a sizable uh, chunk of uh, customer goodwill today. Because because of all of this. Well, look what happened when Sony got hacked. It was the butt of joke after joke on every show I listened to, and even and our shows. We weeks. For and then <laughs> then it happens again, and it's like, really, Sony, really? Did you, did you guys see that? I put a link in it. The story in the New Yorker about that. No, yes. I didn't check that out yet. Yeah, it's that was done in retaliation. For Sony doing a lawsuit against the kid that had hacked the PlayStation. Didn't You're talking that... about uh, machine oh. politics. Isn't that kid... The man who started, started the hacker wars. Yeah. I that thought that kid worked... The thing against Sony was a retaliation, according to this as this article. Did. That was GeoHots, right? Didn't that kid work for Sony at one time and got frustrated? Oh, yeah, that or was yeah. that somebody yeah. else? I don't believe he worked for Sony, but he worked for a number of... But he, he, he worked several places for like you know, Facebook for two months. He's, he doesn't seem like the guy that wants to keep the job. Because I also heard back when the first Sony hacked happened, it was somebody that worked there tried to tell them about their security holes. They didn't take him seriously. So when he left, he was like, all right, well, now we're going to show you. I don't know if this oh, was the same guy. or Straight that could... off the script of Die Hard. Is that what that was? <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking Die Hard. Who knows? It's a, it's a good the way, possibility. The way New Yorker uh, article put it, it was, it was a retaliation by anonymous for Sony going after uh, the guy. Hmm. Could be. That's yeah, you, you know, my only objection to the, the New Yorker article is it talks, it talks as if at least the tease to the article makes it sound like hacking started in the year 2007. Yeah, you know, they talk about the Model A, you know, their model train club at MIT the whole bit. Yeah. They, the guy interviewed Steve Levy. I should actually read the article before I yeah, criticize no, he, it. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so Geo, GeoHots had a YouTube video. It received nearly uh, 2 million views, made him the most famous hacker in the world. The media loved the story of the teenage Jersey geek who beat Apple. Uh, Hots announced that he was auctioning off the unlocked phone. So this was when he, what, first unlocked an iPhone? <clears throat> oh, yeah, he wrote a program to... Uh, uh, enable an iPhone to work on any wireless carrier. And I remember my brother y- allegedly used that here before you could get iPhones on Verizon. You couldn't get them up here, so he bought one uh, on eBay and he got it working up here. He, re- he was, and unlocked it. Yeah, yeah. There was a few people I knew up here that had them. You know, this was a few years ago, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. It only worked on Edge because the, the, the network that you had to get it hooked up because they're, they're the only GSM one here at the time was just terribly slow. But it, he had one, and he was pretty proud of that. Wow. But So that video got over 2 million views, made him most notable. Uh, he auctioned off that phone. 
uh, the winning bid from the CEO of Certicell, a cell phone refurb company, uh, was a t- 2007 Nissan 350Z sports car and three new iPhones. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'll give you my 07 350Z and three new iPhones that you're going to unlock and then send to me, and then I'll send you. Okay, cool. Uh, later on, CNBC Aaron Burnett asked Hots if he thought that day's uptick in Apple stock was due in part to his efforts. He says, quote, more people want iPhones now if they can use them with any sort of provider, he said, and added that he, quote, would love to have a talk right now with Steve Jobs about it. Man to man, man to man. <laughs> That's so awesome. Hackers are always so cocky. I love it. <laughs> Even the Angelina Jolie character in the movie Hackers, just cocky as all hell. Apropos of nothing at all, I saw for the first time in the wild today a Tesla. Really? Uh, yeah, and I'm in this parking lot walking back to my car, and there off on the side there's this sporty little number I look over at, and it's a Tesla. And right about then the owner comes out and uh, climbs in. And this, if you haven't seen it, it's a real low-slung car. Small. It's really small. Small, yes. He climbs in backs it out, drives it right past me on his way out of the parking lot as I stand there sort of mouth agape. And the thing is absolutely dead quiet. That's so I mean, awesome. You just, you just don't even know the thing is moving. I don't see anything like that over here, but my CEO, he does have a Fisker. What's that? Um, it's a, an electric car. Is that like a smart and, car? Those no, this thing is, is it is it is gorgeous. It's a um, it almost looks like an Aston Martin. I want to say the engineer is the same guy that did the Aston Martin um, DB DB nine. Ooh, and, I remember um, that from thing, Need for Speed. Yeah, exactly. Right? And um, <laughs> this car, it's it's all electric, and you can't hear it. It has a little switch on the inside that that turns on some speakers. That makes it sound like a car is coming for safety. Seriously, you know? they yeah. mimic. It's serious. They have you know, to mimic he, a car sound, like the Doppler shift, or what are we? Oh man, is this car is beautiful? It's got little loudspeakers in the front of it that play the the car noises. It's we, got the electric plug in, but then it also has solar panels up on the moonroof of it. Geez. I mean, so it so it charges from the sun. I mean, this car was crazy expensive. But uh, too bad they're about to go under. <laughs> it's about to be a collector's item now. Yeah. Which will is only... Tesla making it? No, this is my Fisker. No, no, but is Tesla making it? They're... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, I keep hearing that they are a viable company. You know, they are working on a sedan yeah. that is supposedly not astronomically priced it's just extremely high priced and uh so you know it, it'd be sort of cool to see a new car company actually make it yeah especially in all electric that's true huh we haven't really seen any new car companies come up in quite a while like any real you know established yeah. ones or any that came and established themselves the last I know of is is the DeLorean that never did really float a viable product, and apparently, not a thing. 
apparently the guy DeLorean himself has now licensed his name to bicycle makers. So you, you can buy a DeLorean bicycle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. That's like <laughs> Ferrari. That's like yeah. that's like Porsche making laptops and Ferraris yeah, making mountain bikes. You know, it's it's all about the name. It's like an Apple product, basically. At that point, you're just buying the name. Yeah, like I can spend five. Likely. I can spend five thousand dollars on this Porsche mountain bike, or I can spend five hundred dollars on on the same one minus the name. But that's an interesting story in the New Yorker. It's really long. I'll I'll post a link to it in uh, the show notes over on yet another um, talking about some cool science, let's shift gears a little bit. This just came out. I think it's interesting how we've made the shift from really big cell phones to smaller to small and then just ridiculously small with the StarTax and all that. And then they started getting bigger again. They got touchscreens and they started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Then we made the shift to no buttons. Let's get rid of the buttons. You know, Apple did that no buttons, just the one button. We have, you know, a lot of our, the Galaxy Nexus has no buttons on it just software buttons. And now we're kind of making the shift back to buttons with this interesting Tactus technology prototype. It's an Android tablet that shows off a shape-shifting screen. This was at SID 2012. It, if you watch the video of this, man, it is so cool looking. It's like the screen just magically buttons come up, but they're, they're not buttons, but they are kind of, I don't know. Do you guys have a chance to take a look at that? I did. What do you mean by a shape-shifting screen? I mean, it produces buttons or tactile feedback where you want your buttons to be when you need them. So From, it it's, becomes literally three-dimensional. It's not an illusion. That's what it looks like from the video. I don't know. Like, I've never touched one of these. They just were shown off uh, just today, I think. Um, but I'll I'll throw this link in the chat if you guys want to check it out. It's pretty crazy and we hate hold on in the chat we hate robert we hate apple so much because we're too poor to afford their products does that make sense now (laughs) it's a jealousy thing really it's okay thank you for clarifying that matt anytime that's what i'm here for uh so they say typing with thumbs on glass can often prove to be as fruitful as talking to a wall I, i find that true sometimes uh, but with smartphone adoption continuing to climb, the method of touchscreen input is only going to become more pervasive. Uh, so that's where we have Tactus Technology working on this almost sci-fi-like haptic solution that should catapult the wireless industry into true innovation and bring back some much-needed tactile feedback. Now, I don't know about you guys. Like, on my keyboards, I always turn vibrate off. I turn the sound off so it doesn't pretend to be a button. And I just, I'm used to that now. It's weird to me when I type on a touch screen and it vibrates, even though that's the normal function of when you touch something, you get the tactile feedback. It's just weird for me now. I don't, I don't know. Maybe this will start pushing us in the other direction. You know, this puts me in the mind of the old BlackBerry Storm technology. Was it what was it called? The Pizio? That big screen that like the whole screen was a button. That yeah, was the worst. I, <laughs> was... I had one of those and I can remember I'm about to piss off more Apple people. I can remember when it was time to get a new phone, I was trying to decide on that Blackberry Storm or the iPhone. And it came down to that. I could type better on that BlackBerry Storm screen because I had that feedback. You know, I, it was my first touchscreen phone, and um, 
it helped being able to have that clicky tactile feedback coming back to my fingertips. Really? You know, now, granted, the phone still was not up to snuff as the iPhone was, but just being able to fly through my emails and text messages at that time was so convenient. And, and I still really, can't type on an iPhone right now because it's so small. You really noticed, though, an, an increase in your speed of typing with that thing? I didn't notice it until other people noticed it. Other people would watch me and, and would just, again, y'all see my hands. They would watch me like, Aunt, how in the world are you typing like that on that phone? And, <laughs> and I heard it I don't know how many times, you know, because we're always connected to our phones, unfortunately. Hey, Aunt, I have a question for you. Well, speaking about phones and such, what do you think is behind Google's acquisition of Quick Office? I don't think I quite get that acquisition. We talked well, about that on AOTA a little bit. It's interesting. I, it made me wonder, is this similar to Facebook when they went and got um, the Instagram folks and then a week later they had their, their yes. camera app for Facebook? Seriously. You know, you know or did they have some other um, plans because of the competition with the whole Google Docs online, or are they just gobbling up the developers to, to help boost their product, you know? Because I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Other companies do that. They go out and look at the other talent and say, hey, let me make you an offer you can't refuse. Come work for me. It's very common. You're probably right. It's probably acquiring the talent. Google needs better um, mobile apps. Uh, there's no question about it, uh, particularly because Microsoft is making a strong play on Windows 8 uh, and its, its mobile support of its Office applications. Well, maybe it's, it's, we talked a couple weeks ago about what's Microsoft going to do. And maybe they've got, they believe Microsoft's going to come out with Office on Android and everything else. Well, those were the rumors, right? Didn't we talk about that last week? Here? Yeah, and I know it was last week, but we talked about it. But yeah. that seems tied to this story. Have you guys used that program? You know what? Open Office. I, I, I think I or is it Open Office? Quick Office. Quick Office. Quick Office, Quick Office yeah, Quick was Office. always just bloatware that I just. It was on my phone. It was never anything I used. I always used well, Google Docs for my documents and stuff. That's where I all my stuff is. See, I'm not coming from a heavily used Word doc uh, situation, so maybe it makes sense if you, if all of your documents are in .doc instead of .gdoc, and you don't want to convert them, then then maybe I see the use case. I, I'm a quick office user because um, one morning, which just like every morning, I wake up, I check the Amazon free paid app of the day. <laughs> And they had that app for free. And at the time, I don't know if it's still the same price now, but at the time, that app was $15. It's 20 I checked after the release came out today. And um, I was like, well, heck yeah. And I jumped on it, and it was it was pretty nice. It loads up pretty quick. It doesn't seem like a bloaty app. Um, I didn't have to do a whole lot of editing or whatnot, but it, it seemed to do what it needed to do. You know. But but it so you are primarily an office um, application file format guy. You're, you're not, yeah, you're, I not am. Into, you're not into Google Apps. Well, I'm rolling that way towards Google Docs now. Um, yeah. Especially more so now that the drive has been released, and I'm able to share stuff a lot a lot easier that way. Um, and how how compatible is it with with Office? 
it absorbs, it'll use the same files? Yeah, it opened up everything for me. Um, even the 2007 version and higher, the DOCX and XLSX, yeah. mm -hmm. it did everything for me. Um, because for whatever reason, I, I tend to get copied on emails with spreadsheets and, and Word documents that I really don't care about. But I still had to look at them for a minute or two. And if you read the official Google blog, it does kind of sound like, I mean, they say here, Quick Office has an established track record of enabling seamless interoperability with popular file formats. And we'll be working on bringing their powerful technology to our app's product suite. So there it is. Gobble, right there, gobble, right? gobble. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> I wish they would gobble, gobble something I've made. <laughs> All right. You need any podcasts, Google? Google needs an official podcast. That's what they yeah. need. All right. We can lobby for that. Where's Vic Gadundra? I know. I got just the team for you, Vic. <laughs> That is interesting, though. We're watching all of these companies going head-to-head -head in the courtroom. Okay, that's not working so hot, so now we're going to buy up properties. And, I mean, that it stimulates economy, right? It kind of gets it out of one or two companies holding it all and spreads it around so we can keep innovating, does it not? Well, uh, at least with, with the Google acquisition, it, you could sort of see the writing on the wall. But that whole... Instagram purchase, that was out of left field, in my opinion. I mean, who knew Facebook was really working on some type of camera application? Well, everybody that updated the Facebook app on Android, like, what, two months ago, and all of a sudden uh -huh. noticed Facebook camera, then we all made fun of it, and then it got removed. <laughs> like, we were like, what is this? <laughs> oh, that's the case. It yeah, came out. It was, it was out for, like a week and then the next update they pushed it was gone again it was so funny because everybody yeah. was like wow facebook really can't your own okay i think they were uh, self-conscious about it they were like oh the stress does make me look fat oh. <laughs> <laughs> even, though the, even though it is the fat that makes you look fat. exactly but facebook doesn't know that you can't see the forest for your own trees come on <laughs> all right and tell me about netflix beating iTunes? Yeah, the Ars Technica had reported it that um they're now the the market leader in online um online movie downloads and I found it a little fascinating because the people that are actually on Netflix one of the first complaints is you know what we have to wait on the new release movies to get to us it takes so long to get the newer stuff or the newer TV shows unlike something like Hulu or iTunes. Does iTunes for, get? Could you have? Could you watch the season finale, let's say, of Game of Thrones, just because that just happened? Uh, what was it, Sunday? Like, could they? Is that on iTunes that night? I don't know if it's on there that night, but I. But it is my understanding that they're a little more up to date with getting the stuff from the different. Um, what do you call them? Uh, Nazi uh, studios. Oh, right. Studios. The studios. Because they have a much better relationship, you know. But until Netflix, I feel so like, <laughs> I feel like until they can offer something that competes, I mean, these private torrent sites, I hate to take this there again, but those guys are on their game. Game of Thrones aired, boom, 10 minutes later, it was up and ready for us all to allegedly watch it in HD. If I have a Netflix subscription, I checked Netflix, it wasn't there. Sorry, I'm not going to wait a month or two or three to watch it. 
So that's their yeah, fault for not making it three months. Exactly. Right. So I've, I've found a very particular personalized use case for Netflix, which is to save my hard drive space. Instead of me archiving all of these movies I'm watching or TV shows, if they're on Netflix, they're off of my hard drive now. So that frees up a bunch of space, but Netflix doesn't have real time. So there's no. where the torrents live. And until I can get that somewhere else, when it airs, without having to have a whole stupid HBO subscription or whatever, that's how it's going to be. And it's there's a bunch of us out there who are all doing it this way because that's where it's at. Well, see, that was the question that I asked was, is it that people are getting more interested in the classic TV and movies from back in the days, you know, and, and not necessarily worrying about getting all the current release information that's out there? You know, don't get me wrong. I love going back and watching Voltron and He-Man and Transformers and every now and then the Jeffersons. But who's talking about that on around the, uh, the water cooler? It's all about... Game of Thrones or Mad Men or Girls or whatever show people happen to be watching. That's true. Which I just found Community, <laughs> which, oh my God, that is such a funny show. I've never, I never knew Community was so funny. The Jeffersons is a show from the deep past, man. Yes, classic, man. George it's, Jefferson. It's, Those are your roots, brother. Moving on up to the east side. Uh huh. <laughs> So according to IHS numbers, Netflix share of the online movie market jumped from a mere 0.5%, a half a percent, right, in 2010, all the way to 44% in 2011. Uh, Comparatively, Apple fell from 60.8% in 2010 to 32.3%. You guys are talking about movies. That's talking about movies, right? But you've been yes. talking about TV shows. Well, we're kind of all over the place, Larry. Come on, keep up, Larry. Keep up. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. You know, you know, iTunes has some. I thought Those there were television shows inside of iTunes too. Now, right, and that's why I'm curious because I'm I'm not a I don't use it that way. What is what's their delay on getting something that just aired out to that the public? I, is again, it, that what's I their embargo? Know, but I, I'd like to to bet five of your dollars that they're they're probably going to get it sooner than netflix will is and that just now is just because of the relationship steve built up with all of the different studios he was the first you know? right he went around and said look at all this money you're losing on piracy i can help yes. you with this people are going to pirate regardless because you're not giving them an option which he was a smart guy to think of it that way when everybody else is just thinking oh we're going to screw these guys He's like, no, I'm going to partner with these guys, and then we're going to screw everybody. Because <laughs> you need an Apple device to do it. I mean, there, there it is. You get Netflix on your uh, iPhone? Of course. Or no, do you? Because that kind of replicates a functionality of the device, right? So he's... No, they, they, can, they can get they Netflix can? On, their, um, on their phones. How is that legal? I thought I thought the whole iOS thing was you couldn't have an app that mimicked existing functionality. And if iTunes is offering, I don't know, that that seems contrary to what they were. That's some that's some lawyer ball there. I don't know, right. but I know that there's a Netflix app out there and I know people that have have yeah, the, the function's not to play the the content's not the same. So it's I guess even, that's true. You're not streaming with iTunes, right? You're actually down. I mean, now with iCloud, maybe you can, but that's not really. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to 
But it makes you um, good for Netflix, though. But I, I like how they also mentioned in that article, you know, the, the, the other services with like Microsoft and Walmart, because Walmart is slowly trying to sneak into this game. You know, with they, Voodoo. They, they bought Voodoo. Voodoo. Was it last summer or so when they bought Voodoo? I believe so. It was. Uh... And I've, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not a big Voodoo user or what have you. I've, I've probably used it three times. This is the first remember. time I've heard it, its name. So thanks. Well, the <laughs> only reason I know about it is because it's, it's, it's bundled on the PlayStation 3. Ah. And um, I think I've used it maybe three times. And it, it's pretty daggum solid. You know, granted, you still got to have the factors of, of decent network connectivity, but they, they put it out there and then give you pretty nice video and audio quality. I give them credit. And they had all of the new stuff out there, and it was fairly cheap. Oh, the and stuff that I wanted to watch. It yeah, it was streaming. Uh huh. Yeah. It streamed it. Our resident Apple fanboy, Robert Marcel, in the chat says uh, iTunes doesn't stream, it's downloaded. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. You can be our resident whenever we need to know something about that's, Apple. That's the thing. I, like, it's hard for me to see how you guys compare Netflix and Apple to iTunes. It's apples and oranges, nothing personal. But, well, that's uh, what this is. I just is. watch tons of streaming stuff on Netflix to the extent that I watch TV. Well, so the article I don't is... I any of it. I download podcasts, audio podcasts, but no video at The all. article's phrasing it as Netflix. I mean, this is their headline. Netflix dethrones iTunes as king of online movie business. So... Yeah, we, that Netflix's online movies are all streamed. And iTunes are all downloaded. But you're watching, right. you're consuming the media form, you know, in yeah, both, yeah. right? So maybe that's how. Or movies consumed or something, I guess. Right. What is your, your movies consume per night number? Zero. But so this, this whole market, they're saying, it has expanded also. It, uh, $992 million in 2011, and they're expecting it to again double uh, for 2012. And this, My takeaway on this this story, this debate is we're still in the early days of totally. in, internet delivered content, and market leaders are going to shift from year to year. Uh, new ones are going to emerge. Apple's been a strong player; will continue to be a strong player. Uh, Netflix Netflix has stumbled a couple of times, and they're a little more fragile now than they were a year ago they have the though is, they've stumbled but their subscription base has grown for what they've stumbled for what they <laughs> went through they recovered quite nicely i i think yeah any other i don't know not maybe not any other business would go d- under completely uh from what happened to them but they they kind of here's this business oh just kidding now we're just streaming and like they they had a little backpedaling and some apologizing in there, and they handled it really well. Only because they were taking pages out of HP's playbook. But hey, follow the leader, right? <laughs> and Larry, you I, I had know one thing. Marco. The second they figure out how to get my Clemson football streamed online live every Saturday, I'm done with the cable satellite business because. I, I really don't need it other than for live sports. That's what period. I hear That's with it. anybody who's trying to cord cut legitimately. Even on torrent sites, you don't get the real-time sports interaction. 
<clears throat> if yeah, you I'm watch sports, you. which that's not anything I'm into. But yeah, I can see that if I was into that, that would be a problem. And can, you get, can you get over the air TV? Can, is Clemson on a, you know, a local channel? Well, not all the time because of where I live. I'm in North Carolina. They're down in South Carolina. So I, I can get them some weeks, but not every week like I could down there. You know, I mean, yeah, I could easily just throw in some rabbit ears on my wonderful DLP back there behind me. But I, I'm still going to miss out on some stuff. And, you know, I got a solution Southern for football you, fans are really, really passionate about stuff like that. Yeah. And we don't want to miss nothing. I got Even a if solution. it's a spring game. <laughs> I've got to cut the cord and just drive down there each time. For the what, what's your solution, Mike? Amp, here's what you do. Now, you have, you have friends or family yeah. down in South Carolina, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So what you do is you, you, you invest about $160, and you buy yourself a sling box. Mm-hmm. You send the sling box to your friend down there in or family down in South Carolina. This is brilliant, Mike. All they have to you do, know? all they have to do, is plug that sling box puppy in and, and connect it to the net. And you know, you, Mike, I never even thought about that. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> Holy shit, Mike! You just blew our minds. And you've got you've got yourself football when you want it. That is so awesome. There you go. Oh man! For all of a hundred and forty dollars. And your friends think you're doing them a favor. Somebody. I gotta find somebody down there in the deep I, South Carolina that's got a nice broadband connection, so my yeah. my orange tigers don't look like orange eight bit pixels running up and down yeah, the field. Yeah. Or and the cool thing, the cool thing about it then is you don't even have to be at home in North Carolina. You could be, you know, if you're like in in Boston or something, and there's a game on, just fire up the the web browser, man, and you're there. That's right. Slingbox. Man, I, Slingbox. I didn't it's even a think cool about that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mike, how many people can – is a Slingbox a uh, one-at-a-time thing, or can multiple people look at the same Slingbox simultaneously? It's. I can answer that for you, multiple people, because during March Madness, we tap into a, a co-worker's Slingbox and watch March Madness all <laughs> So all day long, you're halfway I there, man. Anything else, but this sounds like a business opportunity. <laughs> you can either do that or bring the sling box down to the football field, become buddy buddy with one of the camera guys, and be like, "Hey, throw this splitter in there somewhere." <laughs> you're my now you're field. thinking. Now you're talking. But in a more serious <laughs> note, isn't this? Doesn't this speak to a larger problem that there is a whole niche of people that are screaming we want this service and they're unable to get nobody's filling that that gap in the market All and it's a big market is right cart. isn't sports a big market steakhouse if i go to the steakhouse just let me buy the steak i don't want the salad right just let me pay for the steak i want extra mashed potatoes don't charge yes. me for them though <laughs> There's a there's a, a grassroots internet campaign on now. I've, I'll try to find the website that is uh, for H, uh, HBO subscribers, and essentially it's a uh, uh, you you sign their petition in effect to HBO to liberate HBO from the uh, from the uh, cable broadcasters and sell it all a cart mm-hmm. over the net. Is HBO being like, stop saying that. We're fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Because who is I it? I don't think. I don't think. I think the the people who should be scared of that strategy are the cable carrier. Well, who who's really the ones? Because it's not the people making the shows, right? They they want people to just watch their stuff. It's not the big companies that are producing that stuff. It's not even really. Is it HBO or is it the people above that? I mean, where does it? Where does this come from that they don't? Like each one of those should be pushing out apps that you can purchase individual episodes or full seasons of anything that is being broadcast on those channels. Like that seems like a no brainer. You're going to make more money that way. I mean, I don't know. That, that seems silly. Uh, in the chat, Carrie Head says Tech Republic had a great ar- article on why a la carte won't fly in response to the HBO campaign. So thank you, Carrie. Uh, thanks, Kerry. I'm going to look at that because I've I, been trying to find that article just now. <laughs> Can you throw a link in the chat, Kerry, for us? And uh, earlier, <laughs> Robert Marshall says Apple should just buy Netflix. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing that Google should buy Netflix, but hey, that's the side of the tracks we're on, right? Yeah, if Apple buys Netflix, <laughs> I'm screwed. So, and to kind of finish this up, Larry, you had mentioned that they are also, uh, this was Netflix, going to deploy their own CDN, uh, their own content delivery oh, network. Oh, no, Matt, you there? Hello? No, he's, he <laughs> just disappeared. Let me finish this <laughs> There he is. There is Matt. Are we back? back? I know what he means. A little hiccup? Okay. Yeah, he froze up. Yeah. Don't yeah, scare me like that. That was a half yeah. crash. Just to finish the thought, the HBO campaign website is TakeMyMoneyHBO.com. <laughs> of course it is. That's awesome. TakeMyMoneyHBO.com. You know, but before we go to the content distribution, a little kind of it's starting to happen. Like ABC, NBC says they're going to totally put the whole Olympics online this this uh, this coming uh, Olympics, and they did the Super Bowl last year. It was kind of crappy coverage but they did it so maybe yeah. you know your uh, those sports things are going to start to happen the tour to uh california was on they had an app to this uh this last year is someone killing a face hugger in the background there <laughs> do you hear that okay i just what are oh, you hear some tweeting there's some crazy yeah, that's what it sounded is like is that your yeah. bird i got birds man oh man is that an african gray what is that they're like, uh, what do they call it? They're little miniature parrots. Ah, lovely. Parrot pets. I like your podcast room is uh, right next to your parrot room. It's helpful. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Carrie said that... I don't know what they're doing. They're either hungry or horny or something. I'll tell something you what so. they're doing. Carrie said that article was on TechCrunch, not Tech Republic, and we got it right here for you guys. He, he uh, posted it in the chat. How much would the average person pay for a standalone HBO Go subscription? About 12 bucks a month. I wouldn't pay more than I pay for Netflix if you're just giving me one channel, unless maybe you're offering this stuff as it comes out. Other other than that, no way. No way. No, and what Ant's asking for is a la carte. He doesn't want all of HBO. He just wants Exactly. Whatever. I mean, how hard is that if you do this, you have the app, just make the individual stuff? I mean, I, I understand that there are contracts and everything that prevent yeah. that, but it seems like a no-brainer. People would gobble it up if you offered it that way it's it's a question of time yeah and, and deals and money they'll go where yeah. they make the most if, if like you say if it's violating a contract with comcast they're right. gonna ask where the money is so what robert marshall says in the chat it's all about money 
which yeah. is terrible. And you know what? If they want to be greedy pigs, then we'll just continue watching Game of Thrones uh, on torrent sites. Right. On torrents. Tit, tit for tat, right? <laughs> oh, wait. We didn't say that out loud. Oh, right. is, you guys, torrent people are a teeny minority, I think. I mean, how many, what percentage? I'll tell you people? what. Allegedly on my private community, <laughs> shouldn't even be saying this, there's over 200,000 users, active, friendly, sharing users. And we all pitch in and pay for these servers that are in somebody's house. That's how safe we are, allegedly. This is in somebody's house. This is some for real, like, he cared enough about the privacy and the security of the site to maintain as much control of the servers as he could. And the only way he felt comfortable doing that was to host it himself. And so I need an invite, Matt. I have a few. If you guys I need an invite to that. It went <laughs> private a while ago because there were just too many users, and it's it's a really great community, though. I'm not going to mention what it is on air. I'll have to talk to them and see if we want uh, publicity for it or not. But it's <laughs> I am sure. so impressed with the the quality of the rips. First of all, I mean, when South Park airs, ten minutes later they're up and HD, full HD. Uh, Game of Thrones. As soon as that came out, it was there. As soon as I mean, I'm, I'm watching all of these different channels but individual shows that i want when i want and it's there's like four different versions what what quality do you want 1080 720 it's all there and it's it's just amazing full hd robert marcel full hd (laughs) it's beautiful it is it's a beautiful thing to see it like 10 minutes after it airs and and being like ah I don't know. I've been satisfied with watching year old things on Netflix, but you're starting to tempt me back. No, I was too, (laughs) till I I went back and found the whole first season of Game of Thrones, watched it in a weekend, got kind of hooked. And then, can I give you a spoiler? Spoiler alert right now, since I couldn't talk about this on the last show. If you would have started the first season by saying, hey, this is going to be about dragons, magic, tits, and zombies. I'm in. You didn't say that, though. I thought it was like some love. No, there's zombies. Are you kidding me? Anyway. And Game of Thrones? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That I totally just spoiled that for like 10 people, but I gave a warning. Fair warning. Anyway, we're going to get flamed for that. All right. Uh, moving on. The X86 Transformer. This is so cool. We talked a little bit about it over on Attack of the Androids which the new episode just went up before we started this show over at attackoftheandroids.com. The answer to all our Windows 8 dreams. Are you having Windows 8 dreams? I'm not. Uh, an Ivy Bridge. Exactly. Ivy, that would be no. <laughs> negative, Ghost Rider. An Ivy Bridge Asus Transformer book, right? The top of it, if you look at this picture, the top of it looks like a Transformer Prime. The bottom of it looks like my HP tablet pavilion. <laughs> It's pretty I'm actually awesome. getting pretty excited about the uh, the possibility. I mean, they're talking about about ten to twenty hours of battery life running a full Windows desktop on a tablet format, and and with the processor speed that matches the current sort of Core i7 range of processors. Yeah, it's it's that Ultrabook whatever they're calling that whole Yeah, thing. they have to call it an ultra book. Of course. But it's I don't know, man. This is it's a good idea. I like what they're doing with the screens. I saw one of them that had 
the screen on the back. Maybe that's this one, right? So you fold it down and the tablet's on the back. But when it's open, you can mirror what you're seeing on the back of it. So if somebody is, say, I'm sitting here and you're sitting here in front of me, you could see what I'm seeing. And otherwise, if the screen's turned off, then you just see this nice glossy, uh, you know, backing. But I thought I that was pretty slick. And, and the more, I, the more you know, these start to come out. This was just announced at Computex in Taiwan. But the more these come out and people start messing with them, I think the more crazy ideas are going to come up. Like, who would have thought of that, you know, a few years ago? I mean, HP tried, and this is a terrible failure. The one I have, but... Yeah. Is that the end of the laptop, as we know it? It may be the start of it, right? Yeah. I'm using my tablet more and more. If I had the keyboard dock for it, I would never need my laptop when I'm out. Obviously, yeah. I use it here. Cause... You know, we were talking the other day and, and even before this show about, you know, do you really need Metro and, and traditional Windows in the same machine? And here you do. Well, there's still things. It depends what your use case is. I'm not editing podcast audio or video. I'm not streaming live on my tablet. I could, but I don't have the capability that I have here, you know, with having all the tabbed windows. And I mean, you kind of can, but I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem like it's as powerful, even though my tablet is more powerful than this Vio we're streaming on. It just, because of where Android's at right now, it doesn't have the same exact functionality. I can do most of what I'm doing day to day, but the more heavy heavy lifting, let's say, is not getting accomplished on the tablet. But this x86, I'm just looking for that could do it though, right? That could definitely do it. You That's can be if um, you boot into Windows, there's all of your Skype, your you know, Cool Edit Pro 2.1 or whatever you're using. Yeah, there it is. So this that may be, Larry. I'd be interested to see. What does this and do it, first? You know, the thing that's cool, there's going to be, this is one, there's going to be 85 of these little... There's going to be a thousand eighty five of these things. Oh my gosh. And, and it looks like we're going to see them this calendar year. Let's hope so. If you guys want to know some quick specs, these uh, 11.6, 13, and 14 inch models, SSD or HDD. Uh, up to 4 gigs of RAM. All three models have that IPS display capable full HD 1920 by 1080 of course. A uh, webcam on the front of the tablet portion of the transformer and a 5 megapixel shooter on the back. No mention of wireless connectivity. Uh, they presume there's Bluetooth and Wi-Fi of course. Uh, there seems only to be one micro HDMI socket on the tablet side and then a USB socket on the keyboard dock. Uh, on the software side, the Transformer book will run Windows 8. I mean, that sounds, that's almost pretty much the equivalent of my laptop. Basically, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And, and I hate to tell you how much it cost about a year ago from Dell. Right? Uh, my so one thing, they, oh, they should yeah. get more, me- I want more memory than, I've got 4 gig and it's, it's not enough memory for what I do. Not for Windows, no. <laughs> more, yeah. yeah. According to Asus, this is the thinnest Core i7 computer in the world. We don't have the exact dimensions, this says, but the picture suggests the tablet portion of the Transformer book uh, will be very similar to the iPad. Or the Prime, either or. <laughs> and yet Asus has managed to cram in an SSD or HDD and a much larger logic board. Pretty cool. But it's, it's going to be 1920 by 1200, the res? By 12, or 1920 by 1080. It's by 1080. It'll be 1080, 1080 resolution. Yep. Full wow. HD. And my laptop goes 12, 1200. 
how many inches wide is it? They the said there was going to be an 11.6, 11, a 13, six. and a 14. So far. Kind of and these are just, this is just what's been unveiled so far. So. Yeah. The screen's a little too small, too. And they say it'll ship with a range of Ivy Bridge Core i3, 5, or 7, uh, and discrete NVIDIA graphics, which is important if you're rendering, obviously, HD. Can't have a, can't have a little poopy graphics card cranking out that HD goodness. So, Matt, the question in the thing, is this going to wean you away from Android? Definitely not. Definitely not from Android. This might be a good addition to the arsenal of tools that I have. I do like the Asus thing. I mean, my motherboard and my desktop's Asus running AMD. Like, I like their stuff. I'm still not a fan of how this cracked right here on the on the the Prime. Oh, that was yeah. I remember you showing me that. Yeah, where you plug the power thing in, you can see it's like here. I can actually push it down and make it bent. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Like, I yeah. hate that. that High that. quality. But other than that, like, it's a, I don't know. It depends what Windows is like, too. Like, I'm running 7 and XP here and 7 here, so. It's got to be better than that, I guess, right? Heck, you'd hope so. Yeah, if we're going just on pure processor, that, that would be, and it depends on the price, too, you know. We're not, we're not the kind of guys that just buy everything up and then, you know speak about them like they're awesome we actually spend no, our own hard-earned money on this stuff so it's it's right. got to be way better than what i'm using now we don't see any review units coming around just yet i know <coughs> asus <right? coughs> intel and asus i'm looking at you asus and microsoft <laughs> hell review unit i'll be happy if you just send me a replacement prime how about the tf701 <laughs> thank you uh, they haven't discussed pricing or availability, but this is most, almost certainly, a Windows 8 launch device this fall, uh, and you will probably have to sell a kidney to afford the top model. Thank you, Extreme Tech. Yeah, you can sell the kidney, but it won't cost as much as my Dell did a year, year and a half. Isn't that crazy? Do you remember spending like $3,000 on like the Pentium Centrino or the Intel Centrino laptops? So crazy. Oh, the Centrino. This Sony Ugh. Vio that's rocking the Centrino that I'm, I do most of my work on here it was like that. Those things were like four grand when they first came out. I got a, my first Mine was uh, free, but anyway. IBM PC, I had it, got an external hard disk drive for it, a whole separate chassis as big as the PC. 5000 bucks for five megabytes. Great, dang. But it had I all remember, I, and you could put boards in it, but it's like... Larry, Dude. can you tell me what it's been like for you personally just watching the price of storage continuously drop oh, like yeah. that? Yeah, it's amazing. The first machines I ever worked on, the, the five megabyte storage was as big as a refrigerator. Yeah, and that's the thing. I can remember hearing stories about a computer being as big as a room. You know, oh, the, the computer I did Ow. my dissertation on, the Q32 at SDC, it was a huge room. And you walked into the room, and you didn't see the computer over in the corner. You were standing in the computer. The computer yeah. said, hello, Larry. It didn't you know, talk to you. It was just racks of tubes. Did you bring me more punch cards today? I'm yeah. feeling The closest very... thing I've seen to that is when I used to work in this textiles plant, being here in the South and all. Um, 
one of the rooms that ran the older machines, it, it had the quote unquote computer in it. And you walk in there and, and the, the keyboard and main board went all the way across the back wall and up the side of one other sidewall, you know, and that was just one system that ran all of these different silos and, and machines and so forth, you know, and screens everywhere. And it, it, it almost felt like you were walking into some type of spaceship or something. Right. It's, it's the mainframe, the mainframe yeah. of the mothership. It was insane, man. Insane. And then as this, the plant got, you know, a little more modern and, and grew and so forth, uh, it had another computer room and it just had two uh, two Windows machines, two Windows. I want to say it was a Windows 98 machine back then that helped run everything. Hey, I know, I know we're close to wrapping for the night, but I just want to give a tip of the hat to uh, Ray Bradbury, who passed away today. One of Absolutely. the greats of the science fiction world. You know, I um, respect. Respect. Tell us about the time you met Ray Bradbury, Larry. No, I, I didn't mean it, but what I can send you guys if you want is, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll make a Google Plus post out of it. Uh, right. Lauren Weinstein, I don't know if you guys have ever come across him or his blue server. He made a record. He, he just posted today a recording that he made in, I don't want to say, but. 20 years ago or something when he had invited Bradbury to speak at UCLA and Ooh. he just put it up on YouTube and he said, it's really terrific. Oh, that's so excellent. You, I'll put we, up a link to it. Yeah, send, we should send, uh, send the link. We should put okay. that in the show notes too over at yet another tech show.com. Uh, just real quick. He died at the age of 91. Uh, he anticipated iPods, interactive TV, electronic surveillance and live sensational media events, including televised police pursuits. <laughs> and I also heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard he was kind of pissed at Michael Moore for naming his movie Fahrenheit 9-11 uh, because obviously Bradbury did Fahrenheit 451. I just I read that somewhere that he was pissed at Michael Moore about that and like never forgave him or something like that. It, it was pretty ridiculous. You know, I'm, I, I'm not the big science fiction guy and I don't read a lot of books and for entertainment and so I didn't I didn't recognize the name of this guy when um when I saw it this morning and then I remember reading an article on Fox and it talked about the Fahrenheit 451 and I kept yep. thinking I thought his name was Moore or something <laughs> yeah that was then like of course I got my ass chewed by, yeah right that was by, required you know, a reading person for yeah. us in like sixth grade it was I I remember reading that book and I was just like wow and then he wrote the Martian Chronicle you probably can tell. Right, <laughs> he he wrote the Martian Chronicles. I mean, you can you can wiki him if you don't know who he is, but I'm sure if you're listening to yet another tech show, you know who he is. Right? Did you he know he here. did not drive? He was not a driver. Huh. He never got his driver's license. That's interesting. All so right. He was Sheldon Cooper before Sheldon Cooper. I know, right? It's so <laughs> crazy. Oh, and in other news, congratulations, Miley, Miley Cyrus. She's engaged. All right, thanks for joining us for another. You must be out there. <laughs> thanks for the chats. It's been another Yats. Yet another tech show.com. Check it out. You can watch reruns of this all week at yet another tech show.com slash live. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus. Write us a review in iTunes. We appreciate it. I'm Matt Lee. We got Larry Thank Press. Sharing, folks. Ant Pruitt, Mike Rothman. 
And yeah, keep sharing the love. Keep watching the live shows. We enjoy doing this for you. And email the crew at yetanothertechshow.com with any flames, comments, questions, concerns. Flames. Uh, flames for Ant or Larry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to Bring It. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.